Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 16th episode of the Overline Sports Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Martin, and on this week's episode, we will be talking about the world of UFC. I'm pleased to be joined by my guest this week, Jack Wan from Knockdown News. Jack, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. Uh, we got a busy week ahead of us in the, the, the MMA world. Um, lots to talk about, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. No, the pleasure is we always love having you on, talking to you about this kind of stuff. I think, as you mentioned, we want to start maybe looking a little bit more into the future. So my first question is, uh, just looking at next week, looking at UFC 254, um, obviously the big fight everyone's looking at is Khabib versus, uh, uh, how do I? How do I uh, Justin Gaethje. Gaethje, okay. I know it's going to mess it up. Uh, what are your predictions for that fight, maybe? And like, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, so this is really, in the lightweight division, the fight to make. Um, just some backstory, this wasn't the first fight that we were supposed to see Habib in in 2020. Um, going all the way back to April, he was supposed to be having um, this monumental fight with Tony Ferguson years in the making for the lightweight championship. Um, of course, as we all know, COVID-19 happened, uh, global restrictions happened, and that fight never happened. So in that in the meantime, what happened was um, Justin Gaethje got a, a fight against Tony Ferguson, and the winner of that would go ahead to get a fight against Habib. So um, surprisingly, because um, a lot of people were sort of disappointed by this, they wanted to see that Ferguson uh, Nurmagomedov match. This was something that has you know been att- attempted by the UFC before, and then things got in the way that interfered with it. Um, people won't see that match because Justin Gaethje prevailed. He is now the uh, interim champion. He's the number one contender for the title shot. And here we are. He is fighting Habib on Saturday. So how do I see this fight playing out? Um, you know, Habib obviously undefeated 28-0. Such a dominant fighter. Um, I, I see his overall skill with wrestling and, and grappling being something that can... Um, give him the edge over Gaethje um you know Gaethje he's he's this real tough guy I don't I don't see him as someone who could be finished um just because he is honestly one of the toughest fighters you see in the UFC these days um he's more than willing to take a punch to give a punch um but at the same time I just think uh Habib's more overall skill set is what will lead him to a win yeah, I think it's a really fascinating fight, obviously. You know, you know they're in the same weight class, obviously, so their weight's the same. But, like, when you look at what's listed on a UFC on UFC's website right now, I think besides uh, a two-meter uh, uh, difference in height, they're basically the exact same, exact same reach, exact same height. You know, uh, Khabib's a year older. But, like, it seems like such a like an an interesting fight like they're both almost the same person going in and i just maybe for the people that don't really uh follow ufc more why do you think uh khabib has that advantage over uh justin yeah so we've seen this uh style from him which is so consistent where he just he's such a, a a so good at putting pressure on people he just consistently lands takedowns um and knows how to pressure people on the ground if anyone saw the uh fight against Conor McGregor a few years ago, that was, you know, probably his most popular fight to date. Um, he was just able to um, 
absolutely tire McGregor out with work on the ground as well as holding his own on the feet. Um, he arguably, arguably, you know, we don't really know for sure if it happened or not. He arguably land landed a knockdown on McGregor right hook in that fight that sort of stunned him. Uh, it could have been a flash knockdown, something like that. Um, so he has the the striking to match, um, you know, any striker in the in the division, I would say. But his real key to success, in my opinion, is how he is able to tire people out on the ground. We honestly, in the whole UFC right now, we have seen in the past few years that you know the debate as old as time in MMA is. What is the strongest base? Is it kickboxing, you know, boxing, wrestling, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, stuff like that? We have seen in the past year um, wrestlers almost take over the company with how they have been able to um, climb their way up, way up to belts. Welterweight division, we see a guy like Kamaru Usman as the champion. We see a guy like Kobe Covington as a challenger. In this division, we see Habib as a champion. And um, at flyweight, we saw Henry Cejudo, who's now retired. Just off the top of my head, there's that's some of the people who have gotten to the top of the UFC with wrestling as a base. Yeah, I think, you know, um, you kind of already mentioned his name, uh, Conor McGregor. Obviously, big news within the last week, uh, Conor McGregor going to Twitter, saying that he uh, will be f- having another fight, which, you know... I, I think to say the least, Conor McGregor is a interesting character in the sense that he's how many times has he retired twice? Oh, I, I think I think we're past the uh, past twice. We're probably around three or four now. <laughs> Seems like after every. But uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on you know, uh, obviously you know there was some like rumblings about this fight happening, but. Uh, First of all, do you think this fight will happen? And if so, where do you think it's going to happen? Wow. Um, honestly, I do not think it's going to happen. But here's the thing. I Just to give some backstory for people, it seems like every maybe year or so, there's this cycle that Connor goes through where he fights, uh, you know, he says he wants to fight again, and then he retires all of a sudden, and then seemingly gets this itch to come back and tries to figure something out. And you know, some most times figure something out. Um, you know, it's hard to tell whether his retirements are genuine retirements, or in the moment he wants to be done with fighting, or if he is just trying to you know negotiate something, work something out with you know Dana White or a different promoter. Um, so a few weeks ago, he said something about how he wants to fight Manny Pacquiao in boxing. Uh, now he wants to face Dustin Poirier in MMA. Uh, Poirier is totally game for this. Um, it's really hard to tell like how far along this fight is in, in the terms of like if it will happen or not, because people are negotiating venues weight classes. Connor says he wants to fight at 170. Obviously, Poirier's a 155er. He he does not want to go up to 170, even though Connor um, looked pretty good at 170 back in January. Um, and, you know, I I would be surprised if anything's been signed on paper. I highly doubt that. So, 
I don't know. I think the the likeliness of this happening would be low. Um, and I I I don't know if they would have a live crowd for it. I mean, maybe they because they've thrown out the possibility of doing it at like a football stadium where you know obviously you can space people out there. Um, not that I would advocate for that, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just sort of confusing. Yeah, I think obviously you know we just get hit with his bombshell a couple of days ago, and you know the fact that he wants he says in his uh, tweet that he wants to have it at AT and T Stadium, which is right now the home of the Cowboys and in, in Dallas, which. Again, this is another interesting choice for a, a venue for a fight, especially right now with uh, COVID nineteen. Do you do you think that the UFC would even try to do something like this? Because I feel like they've just been so successful with uh, Fight Island. You know, besides that first uh, set of fights, only having the one side have to bow out, um, blanking who it is right now. But you know, they seem to be pretty good about you know not a lot of fighters getting. Uh, covid so do you think they would take a chance on something like this on in a stadium in the north america right yeah now? um i mean i don't know i i, th- I think that uh th- they've set up some systems that have protected the fighters to an extent i i if if i'm gonna look at things honestly i think that you know if you look at the sports that have protected fighters the most it would be or athletes the most, it would be NHL and NBA. Their, their bubble programs, in my opinion, is how every sport should um, work these days. Um, the best thing that the UFC has done is implementing Fight Island because they're, they have made a somewhat of a bubble in Abu Dhabi. They've had such rigorous testing, which, you know, these, these fighters are tested very often. Um, and it just seems like a very safe environment to do, to do the shows. Um, would they take a chance on something like this? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I don't know what their views are on COVID nineteen. Um, whether you know, I don't know what Dana White's views are. I don't know what the company as a whole their views are. Um, but I think that when you look at how much money um, ticket sales can bring in it definitely is a factor and it's something that they want to look at and try to see like, okay, can we, can we get people to come to these events? Cause people are willing to pay, you know, extremely high amounts of money um, to see these fights. But at the same time, you know, ticket sales are hardly a be all end all. I mean, this weekend we're seeing a huge fight. We've seen uh, quite a few huge uh, UFC championship bouts since COVID-19 um, even in boxing, they're putting on big bouts. Last weekend, uh, Vasily Lomachenko fought a lightweight unification bout against Tiafimo Lopez and uh, got upset, but that was with no crowd in the Las Vegas uh, top-ranked bubble. So, you know, obviously tickets, when you look at how much they bring in, are a big factor, but um, I don't think that's a huge factor. Right. I, I think obviously when you put uh, McGregor's name behind anything at this point in like his career that you're going to make money. Like if you're the UFC or whoever's 
trying to get him on a card. I think, you know, he's just such a big names and you could argue whether that's for good reasons or for bad reasons. Cause you know, obviously as people know, even outside of the UFC community, he's a, he's definitely a character to say the least, but I think if we actually were to look at this fight and say it happened, you know, this would be, if I'm, I might be mistaken, so you can correct me, Jack, but this would be the second time that Dustin Poirier would yeah, correct. fight Conor McGregor, correct? So how do you, how would you see that shaking up? Obviously, like, there's some factors, like, what weight do they fight at and, you know, where it is and all that kind of stuff. But, like, let's just say that, you know, we forget those two things for a second. Like, what do you think would be the outcome of a fight like this, obviously, because McGregor hasn't been fighting that much, and obviously Poirier has still been in the, like, mix of things for the last uh, right, couple yeah. years. Well, you know I mean? for argument's sake, I'm just going to say if the fight was at lightweight, because that is probably the weight class which would make this the best matchup possible. Um, so we saw McGregor last January. That was his return bout. Uh, beat Donald Cerrone in under a minute. It's hard to tell, um, you know, when he was going to do that fight, I was sort of like, okay, this is how we gauge how he is now. You know, that was his first fight in the octagon since 2018 when he lost to Habib. So I was like, okay, let's figure out how, how he is now. Um, unfortunately, um, we didn't really get much of a chance to figure out how he is now because that fight lasted 40 seconds. Now, you could make the argument, well, he lasted 40, you know, he won in 40 seconds. That's a pretty good case to say that he's a great fighter right now. Um, well, I mean, the thing is, is that he, he, it's hard to tell how good his skill is when you beat someone who is uh, Donald Cerrone, who, you know, it's, it's hard to tell where Cerrone is on the um, scale of things right now. You know, his, he's his fa- past five fights, four losses, most recently one draw in September. He, he went to a draw against Nico price. Um, all these losses are huge names, you know, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje um, fought McGregor. And then uh, in 2019, lost to Anthony Pettis, um, or in 2020 lost to Anthony Pettis. Um, you know, these are big names, but it's just, it's hard to tell how necessarily good he is. Um, and how, you know, that, how good that makes McGregor look. Um, I think that for me, I would probably go with Poirier just because, um, I think he's at a really good point in his career. Um, you know, 31 years old, he, in 2019, had that fight with Habib. He lost that fight, um, but that was, in my opinion, he was going into that fight at the peak of his career. Um, you know, four-fight win streak would have been five if you exclude his no contest in 2017 at UFC 211. Um, last fight uh, was in June against Dan Hooker. Um, that was... Um, yeah, that was a main event fight. So he went 25 minutes. Um, I don't know if they would want to go 25 minutes for this, uh, supposed fight. Cause it's not even for anything. It's just sort of a fight. Um, but I mean, Poirier certainly has the conditioning to go that far. Um, so for this fight, yeah, I would pick Dustin Poirier to win. 
And obviously, you know, a guy that's been brought up a lot in this conversation is uh, Habib, obviously, you know, having uh, beaten Poirier and obviously, you know, had his earlier fight with Conor McGregor. I know this might be a little bit of a stretch, but could you see uh, McGregor ever trying to fight uh, um, Habib anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that two. they've talked about it and people have mentioned, like, the possibility of it. Um and I think that, you know, if they sold it right, they could make a lot of sales, a lot of pay-per-view buys, and that's, to them, what's the most important thing. I I would not want to see that. Um, the fight that Habib put on against Connor in 2018 was such a um, clear victory for him that I don't, I don't see, I don't want to see that fight again. Or I, if, if that fight is going to happen, I want some sort of proof first that Connor has improved as a fighter. We've yet to see any of that. You know, we don't know how good he is. We don't even know if he's better. He could be worse because, you know, athletes can deteriorate over time as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, would I be surprised? It, is it impossible? Would they never make that fight? No, it's definitely possible they'd make that fight, but I would highly um, recommend against it. I, I think uh, to kind of switch gears a little bit here, because obviously we haven't had you on for a little while. And, you know, it's partially because we took a break. But uh, over the last couple months, obviously, Mike Tyson announcing that he's going to have a fight, you know, at the age of uh, 54 years old against uh, Roy Jones Jr. Obviously, we're switching to boxing, which is... One of your, um, I don't know, is boxing. So I like sort of um, talked to a friend about this the other day. Um, it's funny because I I cover MMA for my site, knockdownnews.com, um, every day. But um, boxing is okay. one of those things where when there's a big boxing fight, it, it can really, it, it interests me more than anything else. You know, the, the drama that involves a big boxing fight to me, Nothing can replace it. So, yeah, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on uh, the fight, and obviously, a legend in boxing. You know, or you could argue the face of the peak of boxing, and Mike Tyson coming back at fifty-four, obviously to fight an older guy in Roy Jones Jr. But obviously, I know everyone's seen the videos on Instagram and on Twitter of him working out, like kind of. Maybe give us your thoughts of like obviously you know him coming back to fight and uh, whether you think whether you you want to see yeah this so um, I'm no medical expert I'm no anything of that nature um, but I don't like seeing people who have retired come back it always to me to some extent uh, is sad even when it's not something that they're coming back for money and I'm not alleging that either of these guys are doing that um, to me it's just I, I like the idea of someone having their, you know, riding off into the sunset moment where they, they don't return. Um, obviously, these guys coming back, even for an exhibition like they said it would be, would be sort of breaking that. Um, I think this fight, and this is just me theorizing, I think this fight came about because the, the videos of Tyson hitting um, pads went so viral. People realized that, hey, this guy, you know, at however old he is 
you know, he's pretty fit. He's still murdering these bags when he's working out. Um, and to be fair, you know, in those videos, when he hits the bags, he's pretty terrifying. Um, so, I mean, does he have a powerful punch still? Definitely. Um, but, you know, if these guys are going to do an exhibition, I don't know how many rounds they're going to do it for. I think the date got moved because it was supposed to be in September or something like that. I don't know when it is now. I think it's next month. Um, and I, I don't know where it is. I don't know if there's going to be a crowd or anything. Um, so I'm interested to see that too. But, um, you know, I'm if if people are going to watch the fight, I, I hope people aren't tuning in to see a knockout because I think it would be more sad than it would be enthralling. And I, I think it, you bring up interesting point. Like I, I think it's kind of sad in a way, like, you know, usually when a legend goes out, like in any sport, they're done. Like you don't want them to come back. But even if like we put aside, this isn't about money, which I personally just think this is because Mike Tyson's crazy and he wants to, like, have one more fight in him. But if we, like, put that aside, and also to, to answer your question, the fight is set for November 28th is when they're looking to hold the fight as of right now. I don't know where, but... Uh, I, yeah, I just think it's interesting. Like, honestly, when I think a lot of people think of Mike Tyson, like, you... It's kind of sad, like, you think of The Hangover a little bit, you know, it's cameo and that, and, like, that kind of stuff about how it's been a while since he's boxed. Do you think this is also partially because, you know, obviously Mike Tyson's such a big name that, you know, the boxing community wants this to happen to bring more eyes back to the sport, considering, you know, UFC's kind of taking I don't know if it's so much about taking, taking back uh, an audience for boxing. I think that... I, I will say this, though. I, I think that one thing that uh, Mike Tyson has going for him is that he has definitely um, stayed um, relevant through the years. You know, he's, I think, re reached a pretty big fan base uh, through a podcast he did called uh, Hot Boxing um, on YouTube where he had a lot of guests. I think quite a few of those episodes are in the millions of views. Um, so I think that he's been someone... I mean he is sort of like a pop culture icon. People know his name. You know, you hear him referenced in, uh, in, in songs and stuff like that. So he's obviously relevant to that extent, but he has still actively been um, in the mainstream to some extent. And I think that does benefit him. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've been so gracious with your time before we let you go. I'm going to, I did this, but I'm going to quickly flip it back to uh, UFC uh, 254. My last question is, besides, obviously, uh, Khabib versus Justin, what is one fight you think that people should watch, whether that's in the main card or the prelim preliminary card or, like, any time before Khabib and Justin, you know, take the ring? Yeah, so um, there's a few fights on this card, a few names that I'm interested to see. Um, Co-main event, co-main event, obviously, um, Robert Whitaker, uh, Jared, Jared Cannonier. It's going to be a very interesting fight. Both these guys very high ranked in the middleweight division. Uh, Whitaker, a former champion, is on that climb back up after losing to Israel Adesanya around a year ago. Um, 
He looked great in his last fight, and I'm very interested to see how he does in this fight. Um, Jared Cannonier, um, he is on a three-fight streak of wins, all finishes. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to, to get something like that over Whitaker. Um, and also, he's coming off some somewhat of a layoff. He last fought in September of 2019. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he um, is there. On the main card, there is a, a rematch, uh, Magomed Ankalaya versus Ion Kutalaba. This is a fight which has been attempted maybe five times now, but something has always gotten in the way of this rematch. Um, going back to it, th- th- what's great about this fight is there's some backstory to it. These guys fought in, uh, I think it was February. Ankalaev, uh had a started the fight with a, a storm of strikes which wobbled Kutalaba, sort of... Um, it made it look like he was out on his feet. He claimed this was something he orchestrated. He was trying to do this to make Ankalaev get closer to him and sort of continue the onslaught so that he could reel him in. But the referee thought, okay, well, if he's out on his feet, I'm going to stop this fight. This was something that Kudalaba protested, and they quickly tried to rebook a rematch. That was in February. They've been still trying to rebook this rematch. Now we're all the way in October, and... I mean, I, I don't want to tell you to look forward to this fight because part of me worries that something is going to make it canceled again. But, I mean, if you tune in on Saturday night and it still is on the lineup, you should look forward to it, absolutely. Alrighty, um, It's been great to have you on, Jack. Before we uh, let you go, I just want to give you the chance, obviously, to plug your work at knockdownnews.com. Is there anything else? That yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, knockdownnews.com is where I do all my MMA coverage. Um, and, you know, whenever I have a, a good article come out or I'm covering an event live, I'll be tweeting about it, tweeting updates um, at Jack Wannan, J-A-C-K-W-A-N-N-A-N on Twitter. Um, I'm always providing updates, always covering events and, uh, this weekend, I will be doing live coverage of the 254 pay-per-view. Great. And uh, also make sure to look forward to uh, Jack's article previewing UFC 254, which will come out uh, at some point this week. So we're really looking forward to that. And just wanted to thank you again, Jack. And we're going to take a quick, a quick break. But just after this, uh, my co-host, Nate Kennedy, will join me to talk a little NFL. But thank you again, Jack, and we'll see you on the other side. Awesome. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, I'm here with my great friend, my co-host, Nate Kennedy. Nate, how's it going? Not too bad. Well, it's very nice of you to call me a great friend. I appreciate that on this fine Monday morning. What, did you expect me to throw you under the bus and say you were a shit friend or something? Like, what did you want from me? No, I mean, it's it's just a nice nice little reinforcement, nice little piece of encouragement. Nice to know, uh, nice to know I'm uh, very accepted to be here. <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, I, we're going to talk some NFL football right now, obviously, because Actually, you know what? This is where I want to start off. We're going to start off a little personal. What is your fantasy team record right My now? My fantasy record? Well, tentatively, because there are still two more games to be played tonight. Is t- is... Yeah, okay. As of, 
as of the recording of this, as of zero. as of recording, my record is four and one, but I'm also fifty points up in my week six matchup. So going to be going to five and one, which will place me top of my uh, top of my ha- like half of the bracket, like of the sixteen teams that are in my league. So I'll be, I think, second in the league overall. So not too bad. Are you in the NFL fantasy? Uh, I, use, I, use, I use NFL fantasy. Or ESPN. And then on the other side of the coin, there's me, who as of right now is 0-5 going into this week. But I am a point up on my other guy, and I have two people going tonight. So hopefully we get to 1-5 this week and start, you know, break that losing streak and start to just come so, back a little bit. Uh, just so we... Uh, provide full clarity to the audience. Um, Curtis is not only a huge Atlanta Falcons fan, but he's such a big fan that he tried to model his record in fantasy off of their record in the regular season. Oh my God! Why do you disrespect? I, me I like had that? to. It, it was sitting. It was that sitting on the. Feeling. It was sitting on the rim. I had to tap it in. I'm sorry. God. Well, it's a good segue because we're gonna start by talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, you know, like you just said, haven't won a game until this week, but. Last night, as of the time of this recording, I mean, it's not going to change. I don't know why I said that. Um, yeah, final, final score is just going to change. They're going to give uh, it to the Vikings. <laughs> Matt Ryan went off last night, throwing for 400 yards, four touchdowns, and a Atlanta Falcons win. Not going to lie, was pretty happy. You know, the defense, we shut them out in the first uh, half. And I think, you know, having Dan Quinn getting fired, you know, I think it's really put a fire under this team's ass. So I don't know what you think, Nate, but I think, you know, moving forward, this Atlanta Falcons team is going to look a lot different. It's going to be a lot better, especially with Julio Jones coming back this week. And scoring yeah, I mean, it's no it's no surprise when you're when your number one target comes back. I mean, your productivity on offense is going to go up. And I mean, Matt Ryan was a was a very, a very uh, fitting contributor of having Julio Jones back. I mean, as as we were talking about just before we started recording, I mean. He was uh, he was super locked in with Julio pretty much most of the day. First touchdown was thrown to him uh, in his first game back. Uh, I mean, the Falcons' offense looked really good. Um, the only thing that'll kind of bode difficult for them going forward is they do have a lot of top divisional opponents for the rest of the year. I mean, they still do have to play the Bucks twice. They have to play the Saints twice. Um, but I mean, in terms in terms of that team itself, I mean, whenever your head coach gets let go and new management ends up being uh, shifted into the uh, forefront, I mean. You can either respond one of two ways. You either kind of just roll over and die or you put up a fight. And I mean, the Falcons, the Falcons, I know they were frustrated with their start to the season, not, not even close to as ideal a start as they would have wanted. But um, I think the I think the firing of Dan Quinn was pretty timely. I feel like it kind of had to be done. And I feel like this win, this win against the Vikings. I don't, I don't wait, wait, I don't I don't feel like it was timely. I think it was like past due. Like, I, I feel like he should have been fired last year. Like, I think it's it's been so long ago and so many things have happened between this season and last season. People forget that Atlanta was a 500 team last year under Dan Quinn. And I don't think, also this is coming from Atlanta fan, I don't think he should have been brought back. And the only reason that uh, Tommy Dimitrov was fired was because he wouldn't fire Dan Quinn, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think they were so just. I, uh, I think they were content. I think they got comfortable. I think they got very complacent. The Falcons have been probably the epitome of consistent regular season teams for the last what six seven years at least um i mean but that also that also being said i'm gonna drop a hot take right now and that i wouldn't be surprised to see uh julio jones traded in the next six months what so so you think the falcons management is just going to turn into the bill o'brien of the world and just start trading away every valuable piece on your team 
Every old one, yeah. yeah. But, like it's it's one thing it's one thing to trade someone away there when they're on their decline. But I mean, there's really you're not going to get anything back for Julio that you don't already have with Julio. Like you're not going to get anything better than what you already have. So I just don't, I don't see the move. I under, I understand yeah, maybe but, offloading cap and trying to move I, new players, but but I also I also they also already have their next Julio, so they're not looking for Julio. Todd Gurley's the next what? Julio. You don't think that not Todd Gurley? Um, what Calvin uh, Ridley? Like his name right now. Let me look it up. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. I yeah, mean, that's what I'm talking. About. I mean, don't get me wrong. Calvin Ray, Calvin Ridley is very talented. I I just think that comparison's a tad premature. I mean, we haven't really. We haven't seen we haven't seen really a big enough sample size to be able to judge something like that, especially when Julio, for pretty much his entire career, has been a top five, if not top three, top two wide receiver in the league for pretty much his whole career. I mean, it's it's really hard for for someone to like get thrusted into that number one receiver spot and still thrive. I mean, I think it would come with time if Julio was actually released to see if Ridley is that fitting number one, but. I mean, I don't, I don't think the time, I don't think the time is now to dismantle that team. I mean, you have a really good core around Matt Ryan who can still throw the rock. I mean, guy still spins it. He's getting at least 300, 350 yards a game. Like he's still moving the offense. And now you actually have a dominant running back with Gurley, not like you didn't have one with Freeman before, but it's just a different style of running. And then you still have a really dynamic passing offense with two or three great wide receiver options. And now Hayden Hurst. So, I mean, I don't think the time to dismantle is now. I feel like, Whatever you're going to get back for Julio, I feel like that can wait till either the offseason or later in the year if you're still not doing great. But I feel like they should just try to ride. They should yeah, try to ride the momentum from this win. I mean, this is a huge win going forward for them. I'm not saying like right now. I'm saying in the next like half year, I think that he'll be traded. So I'm thinking more mm-hmm. offseason. Like you're not trading him no. this year, especially with COVID and everything. It's, you're not going to get the value. But you know, just looking at Calvin Ridley's stats, I pulled them up. As you're talking about, he's only 24 years old. Like he just got drafted two years yeah. ago, so he's a young guy. You know, six touchdowns this year already in six games. You know, he's he's over 100 yards a game when he plays. So, I mean, I don't like. It's just one of those things where like you look at someone like that and you see like he has all the makings of being a guy that can be a number one target on a team, and like. Honestly, I hope the Falcons win some games because when you think about it, having him and Julio would be really hard for secondaries to cover. You know, just having them having to watch over both of them. And then also uh, Ryan Gage also as another receiver who's, you know, he's good, a a good young guy that also can catch the ball. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. We'll have to see what happens, though. Yeah, um, I mean, the Falcons the Falcons aren't really in the most fortunate situation. I mean, not only starting the season one and five, but also with as difficult and contentious as the NFC South is going to be for the rest of the year. I mean, they're going to have to really go on a tear if they want to make the playoffs. I mean, I don't see them really getting back well, I, into, the, into the divisional race, but if they, if they need a shot, they really need like eight, eight of these next 10 games. And I mean, and they really need someone to fall off the wagon. Yeah. But I mean, like, like the box, like the Bucks are like, the Bucks are just starting to hit their stride now. I mean, Breeze is going to keep doing Breeze. I mean, and you really like honestly with the Panthers. I mean, I'm just surprised that they're 500 at this point. I, I as a Panthers fan, was fully expecting like a bottom a bottom feeder of a season this year, like maybe two and four or one and five start. But I mean, they've held their own, and I mean, if they can if they can figure it out, I mean, 
it, it's scary, man. The NFC South is a very is a very turmoilish division right now. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know the whole NFL is kind of interesting this year. Just like looking at the standings right now, like I don't think anyone would have put the Bears as leading the NFC North right now. You know, they're at five and one. Obviously, the Packers for one one last game with them because of the bye week, but. You know, you look at that, and that's kind of where I look. You know, just such a good defense, obviously, in the in the Bears, and they've really shut down most of the teams that they've played to this point. So, I'm just interested to see whether they can keep it up because I can't remember the last time that the Bears have been this good or have been at the top of the NFC North. Yeah, I mean the the Bears are the Bears are super dominant right now, and I mean it really, as you said, it, a lot of credit needs to be given to that defense. I mean they have the least points allowed of any team who's played six games in the entire NFC. So, I mean defense win, <laughs> defense wins championships, and I mean if if their defense can keep playing up like this, I mean there's no sign of them slowing down because that offense is just as good as their defense right now as well. I know they have big dick Nick. Nick over there. Um, I I He's did want to I did want to segue off of divisional talk real quick just to talk about uh the the game that uh Derrick Henry had. Um, for those of you who didn't watch it, that was by far probably the best game I had watched this week. Um, of overtime thriller. Uh, thirty six thirty six taken to overtime where uh Derrick Henry finished the game from I think the nine yard line on a wildcat formation. Uh, great ending to that game. Um. Derrick Henry, I mean, this guy week in and week out just puts his head down and just runs through everybody. And I mean, it's just well, who is that guy that he stiff armed from the Bills? <laughs> Are you talking about Josh Norman? Yeah, Josh Norman. Yeah, you just completely got fucked by it. Well, I mean, by Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry. Like you could go, you could go onto YouTube, Instagram, any single, any platform you wanted, and you'd be able to find endless amounts of compilations of him being the stiff arm king and stiff arm, stiff arm highlights from his past four or five seasons. And I mean, people are so quick to forget when they saw the one uh, last week or the week before on Josh Norman that they forgot that he made Earl Thomas his lead blocker last year in the playoffs. That was, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't really give enough credit to Derrick Henry. I mean, he's not, I don't want to say he's not flashy, flashy to any extent, but he, he's so, he's so good. He'll just put his head down for 30, for 30 yards at a time. And he shows no emotion when he's done because he knows that he just wants to get in the end zone and he just keeps his drive about him the entire game. I mean, you can't teach that. It's just all mindset. And he's just, he's a freak athlete. I mean, being his size, being able to move as fast as he can, he still has breakaway speed at 6'5", which is ridiculous. Yeah, no. I I just, well, I mean, that whole team has just been, like, on the verge of breaking out over the last couple of years, you know. I mean, obviously, like, their quarterback situation, uh, Tannehill is a really good guy, in my opinion. You know, maybe he's not the most flashy quarterback. Maybe he's not a top-five quarterback in the NFL. But I think, you know... Just like team so good that you don't need that guy. I think Tannehill's just been what they need, and that's consistent. And that's why they have the record that they have right now. The thing is, is as much as much skill and talent as the quarterback position takes, you need to be able to manage a game. And the biggest thing is, is a lot of a lot of young quarterbacks come into the league and try to do too much, and they'll end up putting up huge interception stat lines, 
bad QBRs and they'll just get a terrible name about them just because they're trying to make a play. And the thing is, is although Tannehill isn't the most flashy guy, he knows how to take care of the football. And the thing is, he still puts up stats and he still moves the ball. So, I mean, he's the perfect, he's the perfect gel piece that you want for that offense. He's not doing too much to the point where he's turning the ball over, but he also understands that at the end of the day, he could just play a role and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry 25, 30 times a game, like he has been for the last three weeks. And they're going to get wins. I mean, you, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I mean, Derrick Henry's shown no slides of slowing down. So they're going to keep riding with him for the, as, for as long as they can. And honestly, justifiably so. Yeah. I think we're going to go lightning round now talking about some uh, other games, some other teams. And I think one that really, Opened my eyes, obviously, Steelers-Browns. Steelers absolutely blowing up the Browns, winning 38-7 to on Sunday afternoon. You know, Chase Claypool getting another touchdown. I mean, it was a, a rushing touchdown because of that stupid jet call. I mean, I'm sorry, this gives me flashbacks to high school. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, you know, I what do you, what are your thoughts on the Steelers real quick? And, you know, obviously they're a 5-0 start this year. I mean, the Steelers, the Steelers, much like the Titans, are hot, hot right now. Um, I mean, they we've seen the last few weeks, let alone this week. I mean, they beat really good teams week in and week out. I mean, their first two weeks, I mean, the Giants and Broncos, I mean, not the most flashy of wins, but still getting wins in the win column. But beating the Texans, Eagles, and Browns three straight weeks, I mean, that's super impressive. And, I mean, they came out yesterday, and they were giving Baker Mayfield havoc. Like, TJ Watt was having a party in the backfield. And, I mean, when you're having that kind of success on defense and not letting Baker get time to expel the ball to his uh, to his talent on the outside, I mean, you're going to cause him problems the whole game. And, I mean, that's basically what you saw even throughout the first half, like, let alone the second half. They really they pulled away in the second half, but that first half they were all over him. Baker did not look comfortable. He had no time to hit his intended targets. I mean, they were they were making it a mess for him. And I mean, that that Steelers and even their offense. I mean, Big Ben coming back is a huge boost for them. I mean, he's able to spread the ball to everyone who needs it. And I mean, James Conner's been having really good games the last few weeks. I mean, that team's just hot. Same with same with Benny Snell. Benny Snell's had a few really good runs the last few weeks. Exactly. I, you know, I just think that that team's so deep and so good. You know, again, Claypool and Juju Smith uh, on that team, and you know, having so many running backs, and like, I think a lot of people forget about how good Big Ben is, and I think he just he's kind of just come out this year, kind of almost similar to Aaron Rodgers, and been showing everyone, hey, I still got it. Like, I'm not some, like, old washed-up guy. Like, I still control the ball. I can still run a game. Like, I th- I just think that, like, he's come out in kind of like a revenge tour this year after getting injured last year. I mean, the thing was, was – and the, everyone within that camp knew it. I mean, everyone within the Steelers organization that I had seen on social media had just – had nothing but great things to say about Big Ben and were just excited for him to come back because they knew that something like this would happen. I mean, Ben Ben has shown literally no sign of falling off or regression. I mean, the only thing that you could equate close to that would be his injuries and how he's played while fighting them. But I mean, if if they can keep playing like this, I mean, there's no doubt that I think they could win the AFC North, but it's not going to be an easy task. I mean, they do have the Ravens coming up with Omar behind them, and they still have the Browns in their division, so they're still going to have to win. I mean, I do I think Big Ben can take them the stretch and win the whole division over Lamar and the Browns? I don't know. But, I mean, as of right now, I mean, there's no doubting that they are probably, if not the hottest team in the NFL right now. 
And I mean, if they can keep their momentum on both sides of the ball, I mean, there's no sign of them slowing down. So it's going to be, it's going to be a really tight race in that AFC North. Speaking of hot teams, the, I don't know. didn't think I would say this two weeks in a row. The uh, Miami dolphins have won games beating the chargers 43, 17. And then this week meeting the jets 24 to nothing, you know, Tua who it's magic has taken over the show over there. Just, Quickly, uh, any thoughts you have on, you know, the Miami Dolphins, even though they are at 3-3? Three and three? All I'm going to say is put some damn respect on Ryan Fitzmagic. I mean, this guy, this guy has been doing this his entire career. I mean, wherever he's gone, he's been able to get wins. And, I mean, you look at it, he, he was brought in to be the mentor for Tua. And he took the reins this year, and he has really defied all expectations already this season. And I mean, we saw Tua's first in-game action last night. Um, I'm sure everyone saw the post on Instagram about him reflecting post-game, him sitting on the middle of the field. That was pretty cool. Um, but I mean, this is uh, it's a great sign for not only the Dolphins, but also Dolphins fans. I mean, this is the first thing you've really had to write home about in a while, not to, uh, not to bag the Dolphins fans out there. Um, but I mean, the future is bright. I mean, you still have Fitzmagic, an extremely capable starter until uh, Tua ends up taking the reins. And I mean... Tua is able to look at a guy who has been doing, doing what Ryan Fitzmagic has been doing day in and day out for the pretty much the majority of his career. And I mean, he's been able to get wins everywhere. He's a successful quarterback. He knows how to win. He's not flashy by, again, he's not flashy by any means, but he knows how to get wins and manage a game. And I mean, Tua, Tua being able to learn from a guy like that is huge for him going forward. And I'd be interested to see if they end up, um, in the future weeks, possibly splitting time between the two with uh, what we saw from uh, Tua last week. And then quickly to end things off before uh, I do the plugs for the site, obviously. Uh, quick prediction, who wins tonight, Kansas City or the Bills? Um, I'm going to say Kansas City. Um, I mean, that, that offense is hot. Um, I mean, the Bill, Bills' defense is really good, and they've played well in the last few weeks as well. But I, uh, I, don't, see, I don't see the Bills' defense stopping Mahomes this week. Alrighty, so I think that's going to do it for us this week, guys. I just wanted to thank everyone for listening. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, and you can also find us on Apple Podcasts or whatever or wherever you listen to podcasts. But that's going to do it for us this week. I want to remind all of you to subscribe to the podcast on all those platforms. Make sure you check us out on social media at OverlineSportsCA on Twitter and Instagram. And to go check out all of our articles on the site, www.overlinesports.ca um, We're going to be having a World Series preview coming out in the, the as soon as this podcast is out the World Series preview will be out so make sure to go check that out as well as you know any other articles we have coming out I know we have OTL Picks article coming out tomorrow for the World Series and we have a bunch of other things coming as I mentioned also I just wanted to give a big thanks to uh, Jack Juan earlier today for hopping on with us and uh or earlier on the show i should say and uh hopping on with us to talk some ufc obviously about khabib about ufc 254 coming out so make sure check out his socials which he already plugged and check out at knockdownnews.com where you can see most of his articles or you can check out his, some of his articles on overline sports and just go under our team page and click on jack Juan. but anyways that's going to do it for us this week guys and uh, have a great one